Well, good morning and welcome to Foothills Church. It's so great to see you guys celebrating 12 years. How about that? Unbelievable. So great uh, to celebrate that with you. We've been here just over a year. And so to kind of hear the stories and, and to be a part of what God has done here um, over the last 12 years and continuing is, is absolutely incredible and honored to be here. My name is Heath and I'm one of the pastors here. And, and I love the fact that, that I have an opportunity today to dive into this series that we have right now called Forever Means Forever. Hopefully you're able to catch up last week or you're able to be a part here or watching online. And as we're kicking off the series, it's about marriage, in case you're wondering. You kind of see the whole thing. You're wondering, this is about marriage. Now, I know if you're single, college, high school, you're like, great one to come to. Perfect. All right. Well, here's what I want you to know and I want you to embrace. That if you are single, if you are um, not married, if you're in college, if you're in high school, if you're just in this room thinking, well, I'm not married, what does this mean for me? If you have hopes, dreams, aspirations of one day finding that person that God brings to you, that, places, that he places into your life, that you can look at and say, hey, forever means forever. And you say, I do and say, I do. And you come into a relationship, marriage relationship for the rest of your life. I promise you will be way ahead of the rest of us that are trying to kind of figure this out that are in this series. And you can nudge a few of them and say, yeah, he's right. Because we're trying to figure this out. 30 years of marriage, 20 years, whatever that looks like. So you're going to be glad that you are here today because as we're talking about marriage, it's ironic to me in that marriage is one of those things that we many times think just happens. It just happens. It's just not anything that you necessarily work on. I mean, every other area of our lives, I mean, when you think about it, we work hard for it, we work diligent, diligently for it. Maybe you are, um, it's, your, it's your business and you work hard, you invest in it, you spend time on it, you build this, build this business and look what happens, it's thriving. You, you, you work on getting healthy. Maybe it's at the first of the year and you think, hey, I'm so out of shape. <clears throat> you commit to, I'm about to be 50. I committed at the beginning of this year to, I call it fit at 50. I'm about to be 50. I'm not as fit as I wanted to be at 50, but I'm kind of getting close. And so, you know, maybe you have that kind of a commitment and you're working on that. You're dieting, you're working out. You really want to make it, but it takes, it takes effort. It takes, it takes work and it takes focus. It takes being intentional about it. Or, or maybe it's just in other relationships or friendships or you're trying to build something in your life that's just going to yours. Maybe it's just a hobby you just wanna get better at. You, you, you take time, you focus on it. But somehow along the way, marriages, we just kind of think, just happen. We came together, we said I do, and now here we are. Now what? And really what we're doing is taking a look in this series of what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians, where we're gonna be landing today and spending our entire time in 1 Corinthians today. So if you, like, if you have your Bible, I wanna go ahead and open up to that. We're gonna be taking a look at what Paul says about love. Because if there's one thing about marriage that we throw out, it's this whole thing that we just use the word love. You know, do, do you love the other? Have you fallen in love with this person? I mean, you know, usually if I'm doing premarital counseling, I talk to them about, about love. Have you kind of understood what this is about? What, what is it that when you realize that you were in love with the other person? And, and many times I hear responses and I hear interactions and I hear uh, people commenting on um, that, you know, they, I, I, I kind of like the way they look. I kind of like this and that about them. They made me laugh and they made certain things. And it seems kind of like, okay, well, that's, sort of superficial. What, what is it about love? Well, many times we just don't understand it. We haven't fully embraced it. We haven't fully completely understood it. So Paul helps us to understand this. And as I, as I was getting ready for this, um, 
this morning in this whole series called Forever Means Forever. I, I was taken back to my wife and I when we were engaged. <clears throat> now, I didn't fully ask for permission for this, so honey, I'm sorry. But we, uh, um, we're walking through Sam's Club and, uh, you know, engaged couples walking through Sam's Club. It was a date. I mean, the hot dog, chips and drink combo thing. I mean, when you're young and poor, it's, Actually, it's even today. We still love going there for a date. So, uh, but we're walking through Sam's Club. You know, you start, you're, you're kind of like, you know, you have this, these hopes, these dreams for what your house is gonna be like, the things you're gonna buy, the things that you hope to have. I and mean, oh, one day maybe we could do that in our house together and we can kind of have our first home and we can kind of like decorate it and do all this kind of stuff. And she's more dreaming that than I am. I'm looking at the lawn equipment. And so we're, we're going back and forth. Well, we look up ahead and there's, there's this couple that, a little bit further along in their years, obviously, than we were. And they were kind of scurrying along and, you know, looked behind. And obviously, they looked a bit older as they both had white hair. And, and I was just glad they had hair. And I knew that one day that would not be me. But she looks at them and she says, I hope that's us one day. And I thought, that's cute. <laughs> and I agree. But you know those motorized carts that I saw on the way in? That's the guy I want to be. And you can hop on back and we'll be tearing this place up. Because I, you know, I didn't want to be the guy scurrying along, but, but I understood what she was saying in that moment. And it was so true that, that couples that I meet with, and if I've been, you know, been a, happen to be privileged to be part of a ceremony where I'm officiating the wedding as a pastor, and I look to a couple, and, 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 I, and usually they share something where they say, um, you know, till death do us part. And, and Lord willing, this is what it really means, that I want us to grow old together. And that's really what she meant. And I understood that. And I'm like, I embrace that. I was like, yes, I, I agree with that. And that's exactly what I want. And I believe that every couple that has ever stood face to face and they've looked, looked to one another and they said, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, sickness and health till death do us part. I believe that they wholeheartedly say, I want this to last the rest of our lives. Cause right now I'm telling you, when you look at the smile on their face and you look at the, 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 the glisten in their eyes and they're just looking at one another and you're like, this is, this is a pretty incredible moment here at the wedding. And, but then somehow along the way, the forever means forever means until something goes bad, until something goes sideways, until you really don't fulfill your obligation until there's something about you that just kind of rubs me the wrong way. <clears throat> until there's something about this relationship that I thought maybe was heading in a direction that's not heading right now. And I love last week how Pastor Trent kicked off this series and one of the things he's, that he said that stuck out to me and I'm like, oh, that seems so true is he talked about how many enter, enter, enter into a marriage as more like a contract than a covenant. That we enter into a marriage that when you say I do and you stand across and you sign that certificate, it's more like signing a certificate of a contract than an actual covenant relationship with another person. See, a covenant relationship is, is, as we discover in the scriptures, begins with love. Any covenant relationship that you see, God's covenant relationship with us, with mankind, that it, you know, the Davidic covenant, Mosaic covenant, all of these covenants came from, from his desire, his love to have a relationship with us. And every covenant relationship begins with love. But a contract begins with, if you don't, and if this situation doesn't pan out like I hoped it would, there's a, there's a clause, there's a disclaimer that allows me to opt out. I'm gonna sign this, but, but guess what? If, if push comes to shove, I can kind of walk away with this as I'm signing this contract. 
because you didn't fulfill my needs because this isn't exactly what I thought it would be. And as I heard that, I, I, I dug in a little bit more. I'm like, oh, this was, this was so rich, so good. And, and as I began to explore the difference between a covenant and, 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 and a contract, I actually did a little Google search and, and this, had, this wasn't even scripturally based, just being completely honest. It actually was more legal based. It was a website that gives legal um, recommendations. It gives legal consultation on understanding your part in a relationship your agreement that you have, and it specifically says, what is your rights in a, in a contract and in a covenant? That was what it actually said at the top of the page. I'm like, well, I just wanna read this. I'm very curious as to what the law it would even say, legally, what it would say. And there was one phrase that stood out to me. It says this, a marriage isn't a contract, it's a covenant. And then, as it continued on, you can opt out of a contract while a covenant is about having the strength to hold up your part of the promise. I, I, that, I read that and I thought, this is so true that in so many marriages and so many times where I maybe, maybe have sat in front of someone, um, even my own parents who, who they decided to, that, that marriage that to complete, you know, the, till death do us part whole thing, that they, they ended up getting a divorce and along the way that we just kind of like, and if it doesn't end up in actually divorce, it ends up being separate and it ends up pulling apart, emotionally par- pulling apart in so many ways, kind of becoming, you know what, we kind of like pursued our own way. We, we're gonna hold off, we're gonna do what we gotta do, but, but the, the opting out of the contract it, while a covenant is about having the strength to hold up your part of the promise, the promise that you make when you stand before the other and before God and before all those that are present in the world and say that you say, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, sickness, sin, and health, till death do us part. So what happens along the way? Irre- irreconcilable differences? Is, is it that, that I, I, I'm not getting what I deserve? Well, as we open up here in 1 Corinthians, Paul helps us to understand wholly, fully what genuine, real love is. Because as we discovered last week, many of us, we confuse love with infatuation. We've confused love with a mushy-gushy feeling that is so temporary. But as he, as he begins to under, explain to the church at Corinth, what he says is this. And he starts with at the very be, <clears throat> beginning of the chapter in 13, where he's, they're talking about the gifts that they have, the spiritual gifts that, they're, that, they're, you know, that they have in front of others. And, and, and what he says is this, no matter what your gifts are, no matter what you bring to the table, no matter what everybody thinks, oh, look how wonderful they are, without love, it's useless. And for us, everything that we bring to the table, maybe it's your success, maybe it's your money, maybe it's your looks, whatever that might be, whatever you bring to the table, whatever the other person brings to the table, is completely useless, is completely a waste, and actually ends up being incredibly temporary and superficial without love. So then he takes a moment and he says, well, so what is love then? And as Pastor Trent opened up last week to 1 Corinthians 13, the very, very beginning, and he, and, he, and he starts right here at verse four. I love this, where he says, love is patient and kind. That he speaks to the, the, the understanding of what, what is love. The first thing he comes out of the gate is he talks about love is patient and love is kind. And then he speaks about what love is not. And he says this, love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. 
And last week, we, we introduced a series of talking about how all of those things that, that if it's not if it's not arrogant, it is not boastful. Those are things about me that when we look to the other person, when we look to them and it says, you know, patient and kind, what does it mean to give to the other person? So he begins speaking of, Paul ends up beginning to speak of what love is and then he takes a moment and says what love is not. And, and he continues on into verse five with a very unique change into how this, this, this uh, passage is divided up. And it says right here, or rude. Lewis, the next verse begins with the phrase, or rude. Now, just so you know, Paul did not dis- d- d- divide these scriptures up. He did not look at it and say, hey, here's verse one, two, three, four. That happened years later to help us to begin to understand, to be able to memorize, to be able to comprehend and go back to certain verses. So it's helping us to, to, to take a look individually at these verses. But, and I wondered to myself, it's interesting the division right there of rude and why it actually stops right here with rude. Goes straight into the next one. But I, I feel like because of the connection it makes to it does not insist on its own way. You, you know, if love is not rude, if it speaks of this love is not rude, do, do we not, have we not, you personally maybe have, been with couples, married couples, even dating couples, it doesn't matter, you kind of with the other and they, they have this rudeness to one another. You ever been around that? It's kind of like, it's really annoying. You got, they got this rolling eyes about each other, complaining about the other. And I'm like, if you're doing this in public, what's your life like in private? And so it, it speaks of, you know, love is not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. Speaking of what love is not, and the reason why I think he's, he's addressing this here is because the knots that we read in this passage speak of what currently we are doing. And it speaks of, of helping us and, and, and exposes our sin, exposes our selfishness, exposes our self-desire. So married couples, as you read this and as you kind of like understand what rude is and you kind of like understand it, it does not insist on its own way. I, I, I mean, I'll tell you this, almost every couple that I've ever met with, almost every time my wife and I have an argument, every time that maybe I'm just upset about something or I'm, frustrated about something, or I kind of feel myself getting rude. I find myself getting a little snarky. I find myself kind of like not being, having, you know, exuding this godly love that we begin to read here. What Paul is sharing is that I am insisting on my own way. I didn't get my way, so I'm taking it out on you. You ever been there? No, no elbows, please. No elbows right now. Just taking a look at ourselves. But isn't that usually the case? Anytime I've ever met with someone, they said, hey, I just don't think it's gonna work. It's usually, you know what? I had hoped for something. I had hopes and dreams for something. I thought this was gonna be something different than it is. And my, 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 me, me, me goes along the way and I did not get my way. So I became resentful. So I kind of started resenting them. I started being rude. Instead of choosing a Christ-like response to that, begin to say, you know what? I'm just gonna kind of lash out. And therefore, the war begins to take place. The words, the actions. You know what? You're not this, I'm not this. And so all of a sudden, the separation begins to take place. Irreconcilable differences causes us to say, you know what? Guess it was never meant to be. But God speaks of a covenant relationship. And so when we look at that, that real love that we thought might be happening might be just the infatuation. It might be the infatuation of what we thought this relationship was supposed to be. 
and the other person isn't kind of meeting up to our expectations. When your expectations and their expectations do not align because of our selfishness, we pull apart. And so what Paul is reminding here is that it does not insist on its own way. That is not real love. Real love says this, it is not about my way, it's about your way. Husbands, when's the last time that you said, hey, where do you wanna eat tonight? I mean, hopefully you got a good response. Somewhere you might wanna try. But when's the last time you actually threw that out there? I'm the world's worst about looking at my wife and say, what movie do you wanna watch? Because typically she's gonna do a rom-com, something like that, then I'm going, okay. <laughs> but I, when I want my own way, I'm going, you know what, there's a good action movie that just came on. There's this kind of movie, it's kind of like really good, I bet you'll like it. But I, when I insist on my own way in every part of our relationship and started thinking about the other person, man, when you begin to reverse that and you begin to think about the other person, it begins to build into your marriage and strengthen your marriage and your marriage becomes healthy and you begin to understand what real love is. Paul continues on discussing what it is not. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. He continues on here about speaking about what love is not, right? He continues on speaking here about what love is not, basically saying, you know what, you continue, these are the ways that maybe that you're living in. So this is not love, this is not love. Remember in the beginning, love is patient and kind. Well, if these things are evident in your life, this is not love. This is not real, authentic, godly, agape kind of love, unconditional, love you no matter what kind of love. And it says, does not rejoice at wrongdoing. And I have to admit, this one kind of hit me took me off, off guard a little bit. Because everything else is going, ooh, self-seeking, that's me. Other areas, but when it says, does not rejoice at wrongdoing, my first thought was, why would I rejoice at someone doing something wrong against me? Why would I look to my wife and say, hey, I'm gonna rejoice at your wrongdoing of what you're doing against me? But I don't believe this is what Paul is speaking of here, because I don't think there's anyone that would feel that way, but I think it's more speaking of you personally. Rejoice at wrongdoing, rejoice at sin that's taking place in your life, uplifting it, hiding it, kind of like making it a part of who you are. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a something immoral. Maybe it's something that might be uh, looking at other people and not being considerate of their well-being. Maybe it is, it is looking at the way you speak about others and gossip and slander and things taking place in your life, the wrongdoing that can place, take place. It's accountability. It's hard when my wife looks at me and says, hey, you kind of spoke kind of pretty harsh to the kids. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm dad. But in my mind, I was kind of building up my ego of controlling the home. She reminded me, no, you're there to love them anyway. Ah, oh, you're right. Okay, fine. It is, not, it is not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth that when we look at the truth, what God's word tells us when we open this up and we're learning and we're growing personally, we rejoice in what he's saying to do and harsh as it is sometimes to open it up and be like, okay, yeah, that's exposing something in my life I gotta work on. God, please kind of work on this with me. Let your spirit guide my spirit. I need to change here. 
oh yeah, I need to be implementing that as well. God, continue to mold me, shape me into the person you want me to be, that when we happen now, we're rejoicing with the truth and both husband and wife are looking at one another and saying, you know what, I'm rejoicing in the truth that's taking place in your life and in my life, and you begin to grow together because the truth will set you free in life. His truth will release you from your sin. His truth will release you from the bondage of, of your, nature, your sin nature and say, you live the life that I've called you to live. And we discover that when we rejoice in the truth. Now, I love that Paul begins to land the plane on, on describing what love is here. And then the, don't miss next week because he finishes out the whole chapter with really talking specifically understanding how this applies to us. But when he's talking about defining what love is, he talks about what it is not. And then he begins to talk about here, but, tr- but it rejoices with the truth. And then he begins to describe it in a way that is active in a way that is a verb, in a way that is saying, do this. This is what love is. You wanna know what love does? This is what love does, okay? Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. What does this mean? It means this, that you look to the other and you say, you know what? For better or for worse, richer or for poor, sickness and in health till death do us part. What I said, I mean, and I'm gonna bear all things. No matter what is going on in our life, I, I, I'm hoping for the best, that I'm believing in the best, and I'm enduring it no matter what is taking place. And we're gonna do all that we can to make this right in our relationship because I love you. I love that Pastor Trent brought up last week and mentioned about, about, about a marriage and, and what, what God's intent for marriage is. And, then, and, and, as, and as Jesus mentioned, kind of a, a way you know, out of that to say that you know, if this person has committed adultery, then th- that is an option. But, but as he mentioned last week, that's, that's not the excuse to say it's over, right? This is, it's, it's, no matter what has taken place in your life, and please understand this, that I'm not advocating if, if, there's, if there's abuse, if anything like that, absolutely. Those things, all of this says there is no love taking place. You need to get with someone. You need to talk with someone. But in our relationship, if there just seems to be irreconcilable differences, pulling apart, understanding what's taking place, you're not meeting up. The contract I'm about to nullify and void, I'm gonna tear it up. All this, no, 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 no. What it says, what he's saying is here, real, true, God's centered love says no matter what takes place in our marriage, the hardships, because I promise you there will be hardships. If you haven't faced a hardship, you've been married a year and you have this love, lovely glow about you, oh, we love each other. There will be hardships, I promise you. There will be trials. Have a child. <laughs> yeah. I get up, it's whatever time, they're this, they're that. And then you're just going, how do we do this thing again? We used to have all the time in the world and now we have this little one. Financial troubles. What do you do? You can't agree on how to handle the budget. Relational issues where you just kind of like going, I, I'm trying to, you like them, I like them. What do we do here? You've got this kind of separation, maybe <clears throat> trials that have taken place in your life and something, maybe it's work, maybe it's time, maybe it's, it's an understanding of, of expectations, but something has driven a wedge in your relationship. But your love for one another becomes evident in your resolve to say no matter what, we are gonna make this work. When both have that kind of pursuit. Husbands, just a moment to speak to you. Um, 
I, I, and I share this because this is some way, some along the way that, I, that I've seen it kind of happen in, in godly biblical husband-wife relationships that we, 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 we love to dangle out the, the wives submit to your husbands. It, it's in there, it's in, and Paul speaks of, he talks about the relationship between a husband and a wife and he's talking about mutual love kind of submission. But then he says right after that, but husbands, let me get very direct to you. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Do you know how Christ loved the church? He sacrificed himself for the church, for you, for me, for us. Is that kind of love, sacrificial love taking place at home? And Paul begins to land right here. And I love what he describes at the end, what love does not do. It says right here, love never ends. Love never ends. And so if love never ends, why, why do we see that marriages do? Why do we see that relationships, even though maybe the staying together and, and all that, but why do, why do we feel like that the relationships, the marriages begin to end? Well, maybe they were never built on love to begin with. Maybe it's love that you need to discover. Maybe it's a, an agape, godly love that you need to discover right now. Maybe it was founded on, on infatuation or maybe it was founded on the want to and, and, you, and you see your spouse like you see a good burger. Like I would go to a restaurant and I'll be like, if said burger comes out, if it is juicy and tasty, said burger is wonderful. I'll be back. If not, see you bye. Or do we look over the fence and we think the grass is always greener and we look at everything taking place in our lives and we kind of think to ourselves that, you know what? If it were only then, I would feel like that I'm in love. But he reminds us here that love never ends. In fact, the word right here, um, ends, is, is pipte, which is to fall, which literally means something has been taken out from under it and it, and it falls, that it collapses. My dad was a concrete contractor, which means that he built foundations, driveways, residential homes, things of that nature. And, um, and he would always like tell me about it, like, cause that was his, what he knew a lot of, like we'd be visiting a friend's house. Look at that crack in their driveway. Well, dad, it's a crack. I didn't understand it, but he would always tell me about what made the crack while the crack was there. If there were foundational issues on a house, he always understood it. He'd be like, well, they didn't do this, blah, 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 and this and that. And the way I see this, if it's talking about to fall, it's almost like a foundation that's established that's laid up for a house, that a house is built on. That when you see a house that's built on a foundation, if that foundation has cracks, begin to kind of like settle, moves the wrong way, guess what? The entire house begins to fall. The entire house is compromised. The entire house begins to collapse. And in a marriage, when we see to fall, many times it has to do with our foundation is not settled. Our foundation is not established. Our foundation is actually very weak. And the problem begins to happen when we look and the house is kind of like unsettled, the house is kind of the structure and it doesn't seem to be right and our marriage just seems to be off just a little bit and, and you know us and we're just kind of like apart and we're not this and we're not that and there are always issues we gotta fight and face and, and discuss and there's always like this kind of going back and forth and what are the big, big time issues and then we, we, we don't really address the foundational issues. We try to fix it, try to make it all surface. We try to show up with everyone and say, look, you know, we're gonna fight on the way to church but when we show up, please put a smile on 
because I don't want everybody to know we just got in a fight. And then, you know, and so we're going to a small group tonight. Let's buckle up, all right? All right, let's kind of make this where it looks, at least look like we got our act together. And then we show up and we're not real and we don't know what's going on and the foundation has got cracks in it. It's, it's not settled. And then somewhere along the way, we just say, you know what? I'm just gonna get a new house. And we get a new house. Instead of working on the foundational issues that are there, And owning our part in the cracks, owning our part in the unsettling and saying, what can I do to make this foundation strong for our marriage? I mean, many in this room, maybe you're looking to get married one day and you're just kind of like taking notes on this. Maybe your first few years of marriage, maybe you're maybe, you know, five, 10, 20, 30 years. Maybe, maybe you've, you're, you've remarried. No matter where you are in this room, I, I just want you to know this, that God wants to, you to understand and take a look and ask yourself this question right here. How is your foundation? How is your foundation? Because if there's something that you need to work on, if there's something that you need to own, if there's something that you need to do that helps it, that, that foundation to be stronger, man, that's important for you to work on. And maybe the foundation for you needs to be um, maybe coming into a relationship with Christ for the first time because he is the solid rock that we can build our marriages on that will help us get through no matter what. Because when we look to him and say, you've forgiven me for all this, wow, I have to forgive them. You have, you have kind of have, want to have a relationship with me even though I'm kind of like unlovable and everything I've done against you and everything that, that, that I've done you know, for you that, that's just, or to you. And so now you're looking at a relationship going, ah, I'm, please just, Love me that way, because I wanna love you that way. And maybe you need to enter in that relationship because Jesus is the one who gave his life for you. He, entered in, he wants to enter into a relationship with you that because of our sin, because of our mess up, man, we separated ourselves from him. We had pulled apart. That relationship was gone because of our mess up. And he said, I wanna have a relationship with you. And he gave his life for you and for me. And so maybe you need to enter in that relationship. And today you can have that. We'd love, actually love for you to drop by our care and prayer room because there's someone there who wants to get, help you get that settled because that is the foundation and maybe you just need to come back home to that. Maybe you've kind of wandered away and everything else has gotten your attention and you're going, you know what, I, I'm not spending time in this. I'm not spending time praying with him. I'm not spending time in my relationship with him and therefore my rock, my foundation personally is, is wavering. So therefore, guess what? That's gonna bleed over into your marriage. Or maybe there's just something in your life you need to say, wow, what do I need to focus on? How do I need to make a change here? Because here's, here's what's true. Great marriages don't just happen, they take work. They take effort, just like anything else. They take, they take focus, they take energy. Great marriages might be husbands giving up your golf Saturday to go shopping with your, with your wife. My patience, just so you know, was, was really tried at the very beginning. I'm glad we heard last week because my wife wanted to go look at flowers yesterday. Fortunately, it wasn't fall, football wasn't on, but she said, let's go look at flowers and I'm walking around and she's like, so what do you think? I'm like, They're, it's, it's pink, I like it. But my patience for just a moment, I was like, okay, I could either kind of like, you know, but, but in our relationship, patience and our kindness is constantly tested. So they, it takes work, it takes effort, it takes focus, it takes, it takes understanding that that work is, is putting into our spiritual growth a relationship with Jesus, become a, a disciple, a mature disciple of him. So where's your work? Where's your time? Where's your energy going? Is it going to everything else in your life 
but your relationship with Jesus and your relationship with your spouse? Because if you're giving too much time at work, you're giving too much time on the golf course, you're giving too much time at, at tennis, you're giving too much time in this and that and relationships and hanging out and blah, 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 and this and that, I promise you this, this relationship will suffer and it will, it will cause your relationship with your spouse to suffer. Because great marriages don't just survive, they thrive. They don't just survive. You don't just get in survival mode and say, well, I guess we're just kind of kind of like grind it out to the end of our lives. So because we committed to one another and I'm not gonna say no, I'm not gonna end the contract. That's, that's misery. That is not a thriving marriage. And I don't think God wants that for you. I think God wants your marriage to thrive in such a way that says, you know what? When people see us, when people are around us, they see Jesus. There was a, um, a, a couple years ago when my wife and I were, were first married that um, Danny and Vicki, and uh, we, we just loved them. They were just a, a couple that were a few years ahead of us. They had kids. We haven't had kids yet. And, I, and I'm like going, I... I uh, can we just kind of maybe like meet with you guys, talk with you guys? We would just kind of hang out with them sometimes. We just observed them and we constantly were saying, what is it about Danny and Vicky that's just so amazing? What is it about their love for one another that just seems real? And it's because it was. I mean, I real, whole, real wholeheartedly believe that what Paul's describing here is how they lived. Was it perfect? No, no marriage is perfect. We're imperfect people, saved by grace. Is my wife gonna make a mistake? Sure. Am I gonna make a mistake? A lot. And so did they. But they loved each other still no matter what. And they just had this marriage. You looked at it and you thought, it's just so good. 2018, they're on their way down to the beach and uh, they get T-boned by a car. And Danny survives. They took them both to the hospital. Vicky did not. And um, we all were stunned. We all were like, Whoa. I mean, we're following on Facebook. Everybody's praying for them. And at the time praying for, because at the time Vicky was still in the hospital, but she didn't make it. And we got word. And I thought, God, here was a, here was a marriage that, um, you know, why would you take her? This is one of those marriages you look at and you say, this is exemplifying a love relationship as Christ is at the church. And it was just so wonderful to watch them and be around them. And they loved each other and they loved other people. But what I found after was this, as, as much as Danny didn't understand it, I mean, he was, he was full transparent. I, I don't understand this. I don't know why God right now would take her. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. He's like, you know, I, I'll probably understand it fully one day, but, but he was embracing the fact that God was in control and that God was in the middle of that and God was the center of their relationship. And he began to raise funds for her favorite organization, which helped kids or families of kids with cancer. In fact, that was where they were headed that summer, that week. Took off work, gave up their time, heading down to lead worship. He was a worship leader slash um, flight attendant. Odd combination, but that's what he was. That he led worship on the side. He was leading worship down there and Vicky was joining him and they were gonna go down there to serve together because that's who they were. Because not only did they understand the love that they had for one another, they understood what it meant to love others and they understood fully what it meant to go and serve and to give of themselves. And when they were doing that kind of love and enacting that kind of love to other, to other people, not just what love is, but what does love do? And actually when they understood that and they were giving to other people, it strengthened their marriage and it was so amazing to watch. 
And he began to raise money and funds for their ministry. Because he said, this is what Vicky would want. And years later, it's still going and he's still doing it. And he's still saying, I don't understand why, but understand who she's with. And even though she's not beside him, their love endured. Even though she was not there with him, he still loved her as Christ loved the church. And that's my question for you. Is your love for one another an unconditional love that says, I want to love you as Christ does? So as, as, we, as we wrap up today, there's just a question that I would, I would love for you to ask your spouse, give you permission to do this. It can be on the way home if the kids are in the car. Have it later. I'm just kidding, you could totally have it. But if you want, here's the question I'd love for you to ask. Is there an is or an is not that I need to work on? Now you see why the kids will be like, what do you need to work on, Dad? But whatever that, wherever that, that conversation needs to happen, just tell your spouse and say, is there an is that he mentions here? Is there one of the is nots that he says love is not? Is there something that I personally need to work on? I mean, am I being rude to you? Am I, am I arrogant? Am I patient? Am I kind? Just ask if there's areas that we need to work on because sometimes there are blind spots that we're not fully aware of that, man, when somebody brings it in and there's accountability that can happen with your spouse, which is incredibly powerful. So ask one another that question. And he's just, today, sometime this week, ask that question and be open to saying thank you. Now, I wanna bring this to the Lord and, and ask him to help me. Help me to get better in this area because I, you deserve every bit of my love. And I wanna love you that way. Let's pray together. Father God, we are so grateful for this morning. I thank you for each person that's here and their willingness to come in, into the series of just marriage. Marriage can be so challenging, so hard, so, but so life-giving. And that's the way it should be. Even though that, that, that as we look and we see differences and we see husbands and wives and maybe we approach and we see life differently sometimes and we, we maybe even the things that we want to do, desire to do, desire for our future. But God, more than anything, if we ask the other people and the other person, we ask them to come alongside of us and those that are outside can speak into us as well and help us to see what are areas that I need to look at and say, how can I be your best husband? How can I be your best wife? Because that's what I wanna be not what you're giving to me, not coming into this self, selfishly, but selflessly. And so, Father, I pray for each of us that we'll have a willingness to do that, that we'll see marriages in this church thrive and marriages in this church that will impact our community because when people say, man, I don't know what it is about them, but I want some of that. And they realize it's because we have Christ first and he's made all the difference. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text FC Decision to 97000, or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.